from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Now you hear the little baby, and I know you're thinking, Ken LaVica Live? Like, it's not what we're usually bumping around here. We've been bumping the little baby. We've been bumping the Chris Brown all day here. Thanks to Stone Labanowitz, who's changed up some of the rejoins here. And it's for a good reason. That's the theme of the day. And if you don't know, now you do know. Also, if you don't like your bank, come experience why our members love I Think Financial. For more information, visit ithinkfi.org, I Think Financial, moving you forward. And there's also the I Think Financial Amphitheater in West Palm Beach, and that's why we're bumping the Lil Baby and the Chris Brown because you can get your tickets today for Chris Brown and Lil Baby. They're in concert. They're in town this weekend, Friday, August 12th. At 7 p.m., doors open at 6 p.m., rain or shine. You got Lil Baby, Chris Brown in concert. Visit LiveNation.com to get your tickets. Again, Friday, August 12th at 7 p.m., doors open at 6, rain or shine. That's going to be a big one. Huge stars coming to Palm Beach County here at the I Think Financial Amphitheater. Um, It's an exciting day for us here. I'm Theo Dorsey filling in for Ken Levicka. We got Jeanette Javier, the Dominican Diva, and Stone Labanowitz. Uh, we got us, we, we kind of consider us some of the young guns here at ESPN West Palm. And every single week, Ken Lavica lines up these questions to the Oracle. These questions to the guy that knows so much because he's a businessman, because he's a president at Good Karma Brands, and also just a wise guy to get some info off of. And we're going to do that one in the same, except they're going to do it a little bit different this time because we're going to have the actual questions for Steve Policiner. So Stone hit the open. And it will bring Steve in. Steve Pollitziner is a Palm Beach County Sports Hall of Famer, a business maven, an accomplished youth coach, and a worldly family man. Every week he bestows his expansive wisdom upon us. It's time again for Ask Steve's on Ken LaVica Live. You've got mail. Ask Steve's. It's that time right now on Ken LaVica Live. So we bring in the man, the president at Good Karma Brands, and the Little League coach, most importantly, and father, who's out there always coaching up his kids the right way, Steve Palacino. What's going on, man? How's your Wednesday afternoon going? Already great and even better now. Good to talk to you, Theo. Matt and Stone. That's what I'm saying. Thank God. You guys all get to speak. Ken's gone. He always fills fills up most of the airwaves here, so we thought it was our chance. We told him to take a little vacay, and we'd have some fun on the show. Sounds great. Sounds like you are. Steve, my first question to you here on Ask Steve's is our first topic that we had here today. Because in the world of NIL, in the world of the transfer portal, in the world of college athletics, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a five-star quarterback today. And you're a five-star QB. You can go anywhere in the land in college football. But what do you think would be most important to you? Is it the money? Is it the ability to be able to win? Is it the loyalty that a coach shows you? What would get Steve Policiner on campus at a school and locked in and committed like some of these guys keep doing at the University of Miami? Yeah, I mean, first I got to know, like, what's the end game? Is this, am I a pro prospect? I want probably what's going to get me, if I'm a pro prospect and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be in college for two years, I want to do the two things. I want to have a good college experience while I'm there, and I want to get myself ready, you know, uh, ready for the pros and be able to get to the next level. If I'm, hey, I'm probably not going to play in the pros, then I want to experience the best, the, you know, the best college experience, but I want to experience the, the best chance to win. 
you know, in college and feel what that, feel what that's like, you know, what it's all about. And obviously you need some stability with a coaching staff. You know, you need to know who's going to be like, you, you can't bank on anything in college outside of a couple programs right. that guys are going to be there in three, four years. I just need to know who's not going to get fired after this year. <laughs> I like that. You being the businessman, I thought you would be on my side. I picked the money. No NIL deal for you. Well, uh, no, because I don't like if you're going to be a pro, like the, the NIL, the NIL money is not to me like so transformational. And if you're going to college for like an education, you know, hopefully you're going to come out of there, you know, with, with the with the roadmap. To that just the thing with NIL is it's just so un. It's just the wild west right now. Yeah. You know, so if I want to make the most out of NIL money, I'd rather come back as like a, a a women's volleyball player or swimmer because they're the ones that are cleaning up on NIL. I love that, Steve. My answer was loyalty, right? How long, how early in the process did this coach that is in my house start recruiting me? Because nowadays, you know, you get one offer and then you get seven the next week, all because you got that one. So for me, it was loyalty. So I love to well, hear your Well, answer. look, Stone, you, I can't poo-poo you because you've been through it as a college, you know, as a, as a D1 college football player, but... I, that one doesn't stick with me that well because it still doesn't mean it's great the coach stayed on you, but what means that the coach is going to stay there? And mm. it's not necessarily even that coach's choice. I think that it, what it proves to me is that you were the one who first watched my film, right, and proved to your staff that I was worth a $200,000 scholarship, right, to, to attend your school for four years and, and to pay me every month. Because, you know, in the FCS especially, I have experience in, in knowing when we're recruiting kids, right, let's say Southern Illinois is the first to offer a kid. Well, Three days later, here comes North Dakota State, here comes Troy, and here comes SMU. Right. And it's like a lot of these coaches aren't on you first and aren't putting in the time first. So when you're in my house and I know that you were my first offer and everybody else followed you, I can tell that you put in that time. It just proves to me and my family that you were kind of there first and that when things do go wrong, I have somebody to approach and somebody to come after if, you know, you're not giving me an opportunity to get into the lineup. Yeah. Okay. I can live. I can buy that. I love that. Steve, my question is a very hard-hitting one. So I know, or I assume you've, you've seen the Chris Sale news, but for those of you who haven't listening, Boston Red Sox left-hander Chris Sale will miss the remainder of the 2022 season after, going, after undergoing surgery to repair a fractured right wrist that resulted from a, wait for it, bicycle accident. Steve, I got to ask you, you are the boss and president of our company. Let's say this happens to one of your employees. What is your advice? How do you advise them to approach you and tell you something like this happened when you're paying them millions and millions of dollars? Yeah, I mean, if I'm in that spot, because of GKB, we have teammates, um, not employees. But if I am in the uh, if I'm in if I'm in the Red Sox employer, you know, category, and this you know this happens first, obviously you got to look at like contractual outs, you know, um, because you as you know, in some contracts there are. Like in, in many NFL contracts, they don't want them playing basketball in the off season. Right. Um, it's it's in contracts because of you know the the, the you know the potential for injury. Um, but with Chris Sale, like that's what the Red Sox get. You know, this is a guy who's destroyed clubhouses. You know, this is a guy who has had you know you know countless meltdowns. He's pitched five innings this year in two games. He's making like, millions, you know, millions of dollars. What I'd be looking for is a way out, a way out. Now he's he's talented, obviously, but like he sort of epitomizes what the Red Sox predicament is right now. Um, so yeah. I'd be looking for I'd be looking for a way out. Also, I want to know a little more on that story. 
Like, I mean, I, his bike too I, fast. I, I, lunch? I, I, I don't know. I, I need a little more on that. I need a little more, you know, um, anyone can ride, like you ride a bike and people fall, you fall and break <laughs> your wrist. What? I need to understand like the angle of the road. Um, I need a little bit more info. Uh, and I'm not, you know, always suspect by nature, but I just think because of, you know, Chris sale and and his past, I need to hear a little bit more on on that story. I agree. We've seen some of his some of his anger management. He's blown up <laughs> in in some of the AAA videos that have come out this year. But yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent, Steve. Pete, Pete Abraham's tweet that <laughs> Bloom said Sale played catch on Saturday and took his bike to get lunch and hit something going down a hill and flew off the bike. I mean, that sounds exactly what I told my teacher in seventh grade when I knew I wasn't going to have. Yeah, my when homework. you saw, you should we should post that if you see Chris Sale's video. When he destroyed the clubhouse on his rehab yeah. start, mm. at no point ever, ever did he say, I'm sorry, or take accountability. Mm. It was like, you know, this stuff happens, and, you know, I paid for it, and, you know, I'm very, very, very emotional. So it just says, it kind of says to me that Chris Sale's a bit of a uh, rationalizer for his behaviors. So I would like to get the video of what exactly happened with, uh, you know, with, with the lunch run. That became a broken wrist. The, the, the lunch run, yeah. I'm sure that whatever video he does have of that, if there's any, he's he's made sure to delete that off the cloud. Uh, Steve Palacino, president of Good Karma Brands, the oracle here on uh, Ken Levick Alive Weekly, asks Steve's. Steve, for me, I've got to ask you this because it is fantasy football drafting season. You're a guy that knows how to manage his time well. You have so many different obligations, so many different hats, and you know how to make sure you're managing your time well. How do you figure out how many leagues is too many to join? Because right now I'm sitting on about four, maybe five leagues. Same. And we're thinking about starting a new one on the Ken Levick Alive show, and I might be flustered. How do you kind of suss out every year how many fantasy football leagues is too many? Oh, that is such a great question and something <laughs> that all of us, you know, contend with. Um, I, am, I am stuck. I, like, is it wrong that I pray for a couple of the leagues I'm in to fold? <laughs> after the year because I've been in that. I can't get out. I'm in, I'm in about four, um, four money leagues, you know, uh, I mean, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, fake money. Yeah, yeah uh, of, course, of course. And, and Monopoly. Monopoly. Money. And, and, and it's too many, but you know what I've come to realize? Here's the best way to manage it. Have kids. Now my kids are old enough to manage my teams. Ooh. So I could just like sit back. So, you know, this is definitely a, uh, an advertisement for uh, the youth and our future <laughs> and, um, and a great way to teach them the game. Uh, no, but uh, I am I'm fortunate my oldest son, actually both of my sons, 12 and 9, are on it on fantasy and um, come to me with suggestions and transactions and all of that. So I always got eyes on it. You have to basically assume, here's what I would tell you. You have to assume that for every fantasy football team you have, if you want to be competitive, it's basically two hours per week per team. Yeah. That's what I think. It's That's two hours per week per team. Because if you're going to be looking at, you know, transactions and you're going to be trying to, t- and, you know, different leagues have different rules. Some, you know, you have to be the first to that waiver wire or you snooze, you lose. Others, you still have to put a claim because if you have the worst record, you have a chance to get them. You know, so the rules are, t- the rules are tough. And then, that Sunday morning, you just got to constantly check the inactive. That's the worst. Know what's going on. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's almost about two hours, maybe an hour and a half per team per week. So if you have six, seven hours, you know, to give up, uh, then, then you can have four, four or five teams. Yeah. I think it's better to have fewer 
I think it's hard to say no because you want to be in this one and that one and this one and that one. It's hard to say no, but if you want to win, it's probably better to have fewer. Three, maybe three, not three. Three's a good number. Three's a good. I like that. I actually like that. I did about I did four or five last year, and it felt like a bit too much. So I think I might settle it on three. But then again, oh, every single year. And I'll give you I one other that. thing. One other thing, right, Theo? You got a lot of people like that you're friends with. Partner, like in one, I have a partner. He really takes the lead on it, mm. and I'll just keep like a more of a of a secondary eye on it. It's got to be someone you trust, but you know, partner. So, so Steve, you can. Steve, are you talking about somebody else in the league? No, he means two people, yeah. one team. Okay, because I was going to say that's how yeah. that's how they take the money pot from you. It's called corruption, and and, <laughs> and you don't get paid out in the end if, if you're working with somebody else yeah. in the league. And we're not talking about collusion. I'm saying that you had a buddy who you who likes it and say, you know, you're the one like leading the you know, like you're leading the way and you guys split it or however you wanna you know, however you wanna set it up. But it's like, yo, so you're gonna be the one that's checking the inactives on Sunday morning, right? Okay, that's your responsibility. Wow. Mm. And and you set it up that way. Delegation. It's oh so similar to the Miami Dolphins offensive coordinator situation last year. Just get yeah. two guys on the job. <laughs> Steve, right, you're, right. Steve, you're somebody who obviously has played years and years of fantasy football. Who have been your anchors these past few seasons? Like, who is somebody when you think, oh, oh the draft's coming up, that you're like, I obviously have to get this guy? Or who was it for you last year? Who's a horse? Oh, last, oh, last year I got really lucky, and I won, I won um, one of my 14 fantasy leagues. So, um, <laughs> and I won, and, I mean, I can't say it's because I knew anything. I got Jonathan Taylor, and every mm-hmm. other running back in the NFL got hurt last year. Literally. Every meaningful running back got hurt. Dalvin Cook, McCaffrey, um, Henry. Everybody was hurt at some point last year, and I just got lucky with the one guy that, that wasn't. So I can't proclaim you know, anything. I will say I don't emphasize quarterbacks. Um, I tend to do that. Like I, I'm heavy on, heavy on early running backs and early receivers. Yes, That's always been my formula, and I am a big I drop and pick up defense week to week. Based on matchups. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, last year for me it was Cooper Cup. I just, you know, plug and played, and he scored me 30 and dragged me all the way to the semifinal. But, Steve, I, my next yep. question is revolving around the quarterback position, which you said you don't emphasize. Everybody around the Dolphins camp seems to be emphasizing Tua. And I have a basic question, but, you know, it's one that's floating around in my head because we played a Emmanuel Acho clip this morning where he just went to bat for Tua, right? They finally gave him weapons. You know, in the past, he was throwing it. His number one receiver was Devontae Parker. I can't wait to see what this guy's going to do this year. We mm. saw Tyreek Hill, even in training camp and on podcasts before training camp started, claim that he was the most accurate quarterback in the league. One, part one, Steve, what do you expect from two attack of Iloa this year? And two, is there such thing as too much hype? Because now I'm getting scared that he can't live up to these expectations anymore. Well, he's, he's always had expectations. So I'm not worried about that. And he always seems very level-headed um, and mature you know, with the, with the way he deals with that. I have zero concern for, in that regard because, look, you know, he was at Alabama. I mean, he's, he's experienced success. So the level of program that he's at, that part, you know, doesn't mind me. Uh, definitely has the best weapons, you know, he's had. So that's very exciting, you know, particularly with receivers. And then there's just the line, right? There's the line. Are they going to give him, you know, enough time or is this is the offense going to have to be designed both between his arm and with the line to get him, you know, for him to have to get rid of, rid of the ball quickly. But I, I expect Tua to have a big, big, big progress, big progress, you know, this year and mm. should be able to show off 
uh, be able to show off that accuracy. Ooh. And the beauty is you get him that accuracy, and then you get it the, the, hopefully the ball in the hands of playmakers you know, like Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill, if you believe in Tua or you believe in the Dolphins, then Tyreek Hill is your Cooper Cup like this year. Like he, he, he must, he's going to have to be like record setting, yeah. you know, this year. And they're going to have to look to get him the ball in, you know, a variety of ways. Yeah. Uh, only uh, seldom quarterbacks have those double digit target guys, right? Like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams was him for Aaron Rodgers. And now Tyreek Hill's a guy yep. who's going to get the ball thrown at him eight, nine times a game. That's guaranteed. So that's a really good point. Yeah. Steve, look. I appreciate the time. Steve Valenzina only only heightening the expectations for Tua now, even though Stone was asking him to lower the expectations. Yeah, I wanted so him to halt it a little bit and be like, you know, uh, I'm a little nervous for him too, but he just upped the ante, which I can get behind, I guess. The the Oracle. Well, guys, no, but there's still that line piece. You know, there's still that there's still that line piece. You need to be able to have just a little bit of the time and uh, you know to be able to do something. And then there's one other thing: if Tyreek Hill gets hurt, oh god, oh don't even. <laughs> don't even do that. Oh God. Don't even do that. I Steve. just did I went with the long pause. Yeah, <laughs> that, Man. You know what? I that, that thought has not crossed my mind once. What if we do get an Achilles injury? What what yeah. do we do? Yeah, yeah. Well, you just you cross your fingers and you hope and pray because the hype around the Dolphins are all time high and the season tickets sold out for next year already and Damn there's right. a wait list, so everything good around Miami. Don't speak those bad things. You're the <laughs> Oracle, Steve. We need optimism from you. You just, well, the Oracle is, is realism, so you just got to keep an eye on, on all sides. But, yeah, obviously hoping, for, hoping to see what they can do as a, you know, as a fully functioning, healthy unit. Definitely. So thanks for the time, Steve. Good luck drafting, and try and limit it to three leagues this year, huh? <laughs> all right, thanks. That's Steve Policino, president of Good Karma Brands, the Oracle for Ken Levick Alive on Ask Steve's, as we always do here. Uh, we have so much more to get to, and I want to get back to the um, main topic at hand for a lot of people here in South Florida, the Miami Heat, and what I think they absolutely cannot do this offseason. I know they need to improve the roster. I know that there's some big stars lingering out there on the trade, not even a trade block, but they've demanded the trades, and the one thing I think the Miami Heat cannot do, that and more, when we come back, he's Jeanette Javier. He's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaBecca Live on ESPN 106.3. The Miami Heat absolutely cannot part ways with Bam Adebayo this offseason. And, and I'll say that again because I know I – I know at least one person right in front of me here needs to hear this and needs to settle this into his soul. The Miami Heat cannot part ways with Bam Adebayo this offseason, no matter if it's for Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell. I'm Theo Dorsey filling in here for Ken Levicka. We're back. Jeanette Javier in studio with us. Stone Lebanowitz rocking and rolling. And as we stumble upon this situation with the Brooklyn Nets, again, they're in the standoff right now. Kevin Durant has told Josiah he wants general manager Sean Marks fired. He wants head coach that he picked. That he picked. Steve Nash fired. Or he wants to be traded out of Brooklyn like he requested over a month ago, and he hasn't gotten any of that, any resolve from that. It doesn't even seem like the Nets have gotten close to a deal with any team right now. The Miami Heat, of course, one of the two teams that Durant picked out to be. But right now, it's seeming like stone. All of the reports are... 
The Heat don't have enough without Bam Adebayo to get Kevin Durant. And even beyond that, I just saw a tweet here a couple days ago. Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype. I don't see Miami having the assets to get it done without parting with Bam Adebayo, which I haven't gotten a sense they want to do. And that's in trying to make a deal for Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. Again, the Jazz are doing a fire sale right now. They got rid of Rudy Gobert, likely going to get rid of Donovan Mitchell ahead of the season. Dealing Danny Ainge, who has a big feud with Pat Riley. I know he's not going to let Pat Riley get a deal on him that's not going to include Bam Adebayo. So, in order for the Heat to improve the roster, they need to bring a star in. Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, the two lingering stars. But Stone, parting with Bam Adebayo, a bit too far for my taste. I mean, you just said it yourself. They need to bring in a star to kind of get them over the hump. Yeah. And I think we were proven, and we're proven also in the bubble, that Ben Matterbio is not going to be that guy in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it's, He's one of the best, if not the best, defensive players in the NBA right now. Except when it matters. In, in, right, right. Is he not good defensively when it matters? He, in I mean, the postseason? He's good defensively. You want a championship? He's, it ain't going to be with Bam. I mean, I, wow. I, I, I think it's that plain and simple. I think I think she's right on the money there because offensively he brings nothing to the table for us in the playoffs. And when when Jimmy goes on his scoring droughts, which he does often, and it's nothing against Jimmy, right? He's the reason the Heat got to where they got, and they're going to continue to do so. But Bam in the playoffs isn't enough. Offense doesn't have the firepower to to kind of get us there. And I think there are plenty of guys in the league. For the low that the Heat can kind of scoop up, that can play defense and, and and be okay down the stretch when other guys are scoring. And when I mean other guys, that's Kevin Durant, right? That that's Gabe Vincent, that's Kyle Lowry, that's Jimmy Butler. So so one of my favorite trade proposals that I had seen was that the Miami Heat will receive Kevin Durant and Miles Turner. The Pacers will receive Ben Simmons because you know that Ben Simmons and Bam Adebayo are still a part of their rookie contract, so they can't be traded flip flop teams, right? It's it's a rule it's in the CBA. And then the Nets will receive Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, your boy, Nikola Jovic, and uh, 2023, 2027, 2029 unprotected first-round picks, which is, which is a big ask. And I know yeah. Pat Riley most likely is not going to make that happen. But I am okay with getting rid of Bam, Tyler, and Duncan. I, I think it, it's okay. Those are guys who aren't proven in the playoffs. When, when it really comes crunch time, right in the fourth quarter, you're putting the ball in Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler's hands. I trust them beating any team in the league at this point. Bam out of, For y'all both to sit here in front of me today and say Bam Adebayo has not proven it in the playoffs makes me question if you were watching those playoff games or were you just looking for the stat line for him to put up numbers offensively because his defensive versatility, his toughness, I know he didn't score the ball or shoot it enough, but he had a few games even this past playoffs where he did put up the numbers. And Jason Tatum will never forget what Bam Adebayo does <laughs> at the rim in the postseason. I'm just I'm baffled at you guys wildering. The Heat can't score when it comes down to it. We'll, when sh- we'll they, they find just can't somebody score who the- can score. I, 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 I know Tyler I know Hero, a guy. Elevate Tyler Hero, <laughs> Jimmy Butler. You answered your own question. Kyle there, Lowry Theo. was hurt. Find somebody who can score. That's Kevin Durant. It's just it, it's odd to me. We when we were deep into the playoffs. We were holding our breath on if these guys were going to be able to hang around in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they can make the stops, but who's going to put the ball in the basket? And you're mentioning Tyler Hero. He's been he's been a ghost too. He's been obsolete when he it comes down the stretch. He was hurt this postseason. Of course he Kyle was. Lowry was hurt this postseason. I would rather see the Miami Heat this year run it back with that squad than part ways with Bam plus others to go and get a guy like Kevin Durant who, I mean, you're talking about not getting it done in the postseason. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? I mean, the, yeah, the team that swept them went on to, you know, we were competing one, in the NBA one finals. Jimmy Butler's three-point shot away from beating the team that swept a Kevin Durant-led team, but you're willing to part ways 
with a guy who is one of the centerpieces of your culture and is ready to be a heat lifer and is maybe the best, I would say, the best defensive player in the league? I mean, he got, he got snubbed for you know defensive player. He, of the he year. didn't play enough games, and that yeah. was mainly the part of the reason why he didn't get voted up enough. But I mean, if we're talking about a basketball player that you want to be able to have your franchise be built around for the next seven, eight years, Bam Adebayo is in that question, is in that answer, and Kevin Durant, outside of Golden State, what the hell have you done? I, I think Bam, you're right on that note because he is 25 years old, right? Like you can bang and on him. He's the best defensive player in the year. I, I, I'll say it. He's the best defensive player in the league. Oh, and we felt that way. We felt that His way. His versatility to be able to switch out on the guards, guard wings, protect the rim. I, I think it's bad news. We're watching him play in pro-am leagues, and he's shooting three-pointers and making them, and Heat fans are getting excited. Oh, he can shoot now. Oh, he can shoot now. And you're one of the guys who's against these pro-ams, right? And these guys showing up and kind of just he's hoping. beating these plumbers and these 9-5 to five guys. He's pulling threes, and we're getting excited. Because why are we getting excited? Because they can't shoot, and he's never shown Heat fans that he can shoot. So it's just a little odd to me, man. I, I don't have a problem parting ways with him because I do trust. Now, I will tell you, though, if, if I'm being a realist, I'm living a pipe dream because I don't think this deal gets done. I, I, I can see. Three-team deals are almost impossible. And they're almost NBA. impossible. And at this close to the season and when these guys are starting to get together and start practicing right and you're finding who is who and right. And the Heat already have some of those bench players who are a part of their team now and Gabe Vincent, right, and Max Struess and stuff. So the, the pieces there, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Heat culture wanted to run it back. But, man, I don't think any of us would be mad if, if Kevin Durant and Jimmy Butler were paired together. I like them against anybody nice. in the East. It will be nice. But, Jeanette, for you, don't you like you, – you, you're one of those fans of continuity – Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like to see maybe the Heat try, mm-hmm. instead of selling their soul and giving up on guys for a guy like Kevin Durant who is picking head coaches and then asking for them to get fired the very next year? He's very Dwight Howard. He's, he's giving a lot of Dwight Howard traits here. He's very Dwight Howard. He, you know, I don't necessarily hate that. He, so would you really want to give up on a guy? Come on, Jeanette. Bam out of bio. You're going to part ways with a young Bam out of bio for a 34-year-old Kevin Durant who has the injury history. Who was a prolific scorer, but he showed us in the playoffs last year against a team that the Heat almost beat with Bam Adebayo. He got swept. I mean, Jeanette. Do you want a ring? Yes. Do you want the Miami Heat to win a ring? Yes. What they got going on right now ain't working. Yes. It's just not going to get it done. I, 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 it's a lot closer than what the Nets did last year. I as a Heat, of course, but you know Boston just just got in rhythm and offensively just kind of blew them out the gym. If the Heat had a healthy Tyler Hero and a healthy Kyle Lowry in that series there's a good chance they would have been a little bit more advantageous. Let's not forget the Heat lost to the Celtics on a Jimmy Butler three-pointer with about 15 seconds left, or I forget how much was on the clock, but on the last possession, Jimmy Butler Mm three-pointer. If Jimmy hits that three, the Heat are in the finals. We're not really having this conversation. Jimmy played 48 minutes, never stepped off the court. He was tired, exhausted. Makes sense why his legs were a little short on that jumper. But the Heat, y'all are acting like the Heat are – are you know light years away from a championship? They were a shot away from making the finals last year with this roster. I hate to do this and I hate to say this phrase, but I I am under the assumption that that the Miami Heat did catch lightning in a bottle yeah. last year and and found some sort of rhythm and were just winning every single game they played at home, which ultimately gave them the one seed and allowed them to play the Hawks and allowed them to play some of the weaker teams. You know, Toronto it was to get to the point that they got to. Or it's Eric Spolstra. Or it's having the best coach in the league right now. Yeah, and, I mean, and, what, what are we going to attribute and, it to? Right. What are we going to attribute to? He's right. There's percentages. There's levels to this stuff. Yeah. And Kyle Lowry's in great shape right now. I love seeing the videos, the workout videos of him at the UFC headquarters. Kind of, he's, he's losing the thickness, Jeanette. He is. Did you see the tweet, Jeanette? It said that I, it did used to, it hurt me when I was called thick and stuff, but now it doesn't bother me. I thought being called thick was a great thing. You know, I, 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 I think Kyle Lowry did at one point as well, but he's like, it got to me. Now it's to the point where it doesn't matter. He's not tripping on 
it no more. You're a grown man. <laughs> he's still thick now, but he's losing a little bit of that thickness. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, like Jeanette said, I don't think that that we're contenders this year, and, and that's embarrassing and, and lousy for somebody to say who did support them in their run. I just think that teams are going to elevate around them, as we should expect. Yeah, right. Milwaukee's going to be really pissed off about what happened. Then Boston's going to reload for sure. There are plenty of teams in the East that I would take over Miami if you had to ask me right now, and because of that. I do think we need to shake things up. This is sometimes, though, the trap that teams work themselves into when you know you have to improve, but the move isn't there to improve and you overreach for it. That's when you put yourself into a problem. That's when you strap yourself. You're right because on. Because the Sixers improved without really risking much. They wouldn't got DeAnthony Milton. They wouldn't got P.J. Tucker. They have a young guy like Tyrese Maxey, and then they have James Harden buying in. They're going to improve without having to do much, and then hopefully Joel Embiid for them will be – healthy in the playoffs. The Bucks will improve because they're getting Chris Middleton back, which yep. again, the Celtics would have gotten bounced in that second round had Chris Middleton been healthy. And the Celtics improve because they go out and get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari who can add to that offensive firepower when they can't get a bucket in the half court. So those teams at the top of the East improved already. The Nets, while they're floundering, we'll have to see what happens with them if they move Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant. But right now, it feels like the Heat are, what, the fourth best team in the East at best? I, I guess you could call them the fourth or fifth seed right now after the season started today. And I'll throw this at you, Theo and Jeanette. Week, we, I say week one. So game one. If the season were to start tomorrow, yeah. and the Philadelphia 76ers were playing the Miami Heat, I'm somebody you guys know, degenerate style, knows these gambling lines, right? Know why these lines are put out. Know why the money's going here yeah. and why money's being placed here. I would guarantee you that the Philadelphia 76ers, if they were to play, Game one of the season tomorrow, they would be favored over the Miami Heat. I'd give them a minus 150 line, minus 170 line, and I'm almost willing to guarantee that. Yeah. So, so you know, put that put that into your mind. Put that into perspective, if like what that means. you said the same thing at the beginning of last year, though, the thought process was this Heat roster wasn't going to be a one seed mm, last year. That's good. But, again, believing in the Heat's ability to develop from within. We didn't think of guys' names like Gabe Vincent at no, the beginning of last year like that, like Caleb Martin. Struess. Max Struess. Mm-hmm. We didn't think of those guys, even though we, we kind of lost one in Duncan Robinson. I don't <laughs> want to rehash over that. Hopefully he comes back to life. For sure. Instead of all that podcasting, maybe he starts hitting some threes again. But <laughs> we didn't think of those guys. And also, Tyler Hero has been stressing this offseason about how he wants to be a starter. And maybe he's going to prove it on the defensive end. And maybe he's going to elevate his offensive game a little bit more and able to make Eric Spolster say, damn right. I need this guy in the starting rotation. But all I'm saying about this Heat roster is I would hate to see them again. I'm looking at all of the names you listed off in this trade. And this is your, your, your trade idea coming from the Bleacher Report. The Miami Heat get Kevin Durant and Miles Turner. But out the door go Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovich, and three picks. For the Heat to hamstring themselves like that to go get Kevin Durant and cross their fingers that a guy that's been so aloof, so flimsy in his decision-making – is going to want to stay in Miami and compete on a day-to-day basis? I don't know. And he's 34, and he's been he's had some really bad injury history in the past four or five years. Most definitely. Tough I, gamble. I think the gamble is on the Miami Heat accepting that trade because Brooklyn would inevitably take that You know, as soon as it was offered great to trade them. For it's, them. It's just a great trade. You know, you pair Ben Simmons with Kyrie Irving. No, you, no, you lose Ben Simmons. You, I mean, you lose Ben Simmons. You pair uh, Kyrie with Bam Adebayo. Tyler Hero can back Kyrie up. Duncan Robinson is paired, coming off the bench maybe behind yeah. Seth Curry. I mean, I don't I think, care what it does for Brooklyn, though. Screw them. I, I mean, it's absolutely screw them. Yeah, but, but they them, would accept that trade likely. They would likely accept that trade. So so this one is on the Miami Heat down at this point. And, you know, we talked about it, and we have been for months now that the market's dead for Kevin Durant. So so if you were really put a gun to my head and tell me, 
you know, where Kevin Durant plays come tip first season, it's uh, in Brooklyn. I don't think anybody wants to pick him up. And I would just say, man, that's the reason why I would say Miami Heat most likely stand back, stand pat, because there's no way they give up on Bam Adebayo. 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. I'm calling out to the Heat fans, Heat fans everywhere. Would you part ways for Bam Adebayo for either Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell, is it that necessary for the Heat to improve their offensive prowess to then also sacrifice the youth and the defensive versatility and the buy-in, the culture setting of Bam Adebayo? 888-760-3776. You get to step into the shoes of the great Pat Riley. You get to step into the shoes of the Heat front office brass and let me know what you part ways with Bam Adebayo. Uh, do we have time to get a call in before we go to break? Yeah, let's get Big Tony in West Palm Beach. Tony in West Palm Beach, you're on Ken Levick Alive with Theo, Stone, and Jeanette. Tony, you're the Heat GM Yo. right now. Would you part ways with Bam Adebayo to bring in a guy like Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell? Yo, Theo, I've called many times. You already know this is Nick's universe over here, but I'm going <laughs> to help, help the Heat. I'm going to help the Heat. Yo, you do not give up Bam Adebayo. Thank you. No way. At all do you give up Bam out of bio. The problem with the Heat is that they're having kind of a Nick syndrome where it's like, we need this, we need that, we need that, we need this. Nah. Yo, the Heat are good. They're a really solid team. What did they miss last year? Uh, Kevin Durant would have been nice, right? Yo, get Tyler Hero out of there if y'all really willing to part with something. Send him to Chicago and somehow, some way, like I was telling people last year, Lakers mm. should have got the Rosen. Before oh, the season even started, get the rose into the heat, and y'all got something popping. Mm. I like that. Wow. that but much love, but yo, Orlando got much, wait. much, much, much to do. Tony, Thank you. Before, before you go, did, did Tony leave? I had to yes. ask him about his Knicks getting whipped on in the uh, in that pro am. I think I think that's probably why he hung up so fast. Yeah, Tony got out of there. He showed love to Jeanette's magic though, so that's love. But uh, Tony, I just need you to ponder on the fact that your big three that you have out there: Obi Toppin, Julius Randle, and Jalen Brunson, the newest Nick. Got whooped on by a couple plumbers, and uh, as J.J. Reddick would call them, a couple plumbers and carpenters. We're going to get some that and more again here on Ken Levick Alive, uh, but we got to get to a break. We got to pay the bills. She's Jeanette Javier. He's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. We're live on ESPN 106.3. It all falls down. I'm telling you from the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I just saw a tweet that says DeJounte Murray is acting how people think John Morant acts. And I think that might be right on spot. Ooh, that is on the money! Because everybody, in I, me, myself included, I do not like a lot of the stuff that comes out of John Morant with the tweets and his disposition and a lot of the stuff he says. It's a little corny. He looks a little little too loose. A little too loose. A little youthful. But what DeJounte Murray has been doing this offseason, what is it? What is it about getting traded away from the Spurs for DeJounte Murray and going to the Hawks that has him acting totally different? I don't know if it's him becoming an all-star, but he is feeling himself. And we got to get into a bit of his beef because it has a lot to do with Jeanette Javier's magic and their number one overall pick, Paolo Bancaro. This is insane. It is insane. And I, and I suppose that maybe he was always like this. And this was always his attitude and his demeanor and how he spoke to people and what he did. But he was never in the limelight under, you know, Greg Popovich. Like, yeah. he didn't just allow his players to be out there. And now that, you know, we all started to follow him, you know, he's on the Hawks, he's with a couple of superstars. 
He's just he's in the line. Off. He's in the spotlight. He's just acting out a little bit. He's getting off. And Jeanette, I need to know because DeJounte Murray has been disrespecting people in the pro-ams. That, I mean, that mm-hmm. is inexcusable. He's been throwing the ball off of, you know, guys' heads. And I'm talking about normal guys that work nine to fives and play ball for fun in the Drew League and whatnot. He's been throwing the ball off their heads. When they fall down, he'll throw the ball at their bodies. One dude, he took the ball in two hands and literally banged him on the back with it and the head with it like three times before zooming past him and presuming to miss the layup. But So he's been disrespecting cats left and right, but now he's picked a fight with your guy. Mm-hmm. Number one overall pick for your Orlando Magic, Paolo Bancaro. They've been going back and forth so much so that it says here, I see Paolo says, DeJounte Murray unfollowed him on the gram. Mm-hmm. So you know it's real. Ooh-hoo. You yeah. know it's real. How Which do you feel about that? Petty, stupid, and immature. He started <laughs> the beef. He and did. now you're going to unfollow him? I personally think the NBA, like Silver, needs to do something about I've it. I've been there. Because he's misrepresenting the league. Obviously, you're a professional player. You're supposed to be mature. But the fact that he's going off a dude, number one draft pick. Yes. You're scared. You're scared. You know now, he's coming after you. Now, did you see the play, though, where he he, he made Paolo look like a, a, a little boy? Yeah, where he bounced the ball and he uh, dunked it on yeah. top of him. Just dunked it on top yeah, of okay, him. Yeah, okay, cool, so that's who's, fine. who's the little boy here? Welcome to the big leagues, Paolo. Like, that's what you're going to get into. But the reaction, the way he followed up with that, that's where the beef is. Like, okay, welcome to the big leagues. Like, this is the stuff you're going to have to deal with. We still got some street in us. That's great. Yeah, maybe he was expecting Paolo to react a little better. More so, like, like dap up, like, oh, you got me. But maybe Paolo answered like 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 a college kid. Like, oh, thought it was out of line or, or came at him with some, I mean, some of the weak key, stuff. I mean, it was very disrespectful. <laughs> he, he got, so you can't, like, you yeah. look like a fool out there. <laughs> you're number one draft pick and you got dunked on essentially twice in one play. <laughs> Like, that is embarrassing. He embarrassed him on the play, and then he goes to the bench and continues to uh, yell and embarrass him. And then this beef goes over to social media. And this be- I mean, we have to believe this beef's going to pour into the NBA season. Well, they're, they're going to play each other. The Hawks and the Magic are going to play each other four, four times, times during the regular season. So it's going. that's what I'm excited about, yeah. like to see how those two go off when it matters. Actually, that, that's a lovely part of the NBA point. that I think they capitalize more so than the NFL and Major League Baseball does. Like, we got some Major League Baseball beef this year, and it's because some fantasy football general manager, you know, they were just messing with someone's money and they ended up slapping them. But we got real beef, <laughs> like, real beef to look for. And the NFL, I mean, who's really beefing? I don't know if we see any guys go after well, it. Well, I mean, I think of my, man, my favorite ones Cortland Finnegan, Andre Johnson. For that sure. Was- Great beef. We had the Josh Norman OBJ. Yeah, we beef. did. In, in one of the OG classic videos of all time that we'll all remember was DeAndre Hopkins and D'Angelo Hall. We're John in a joint practice, which I'd hope uh, Tyreek Hill's doing right now to some of those Bucks. Yeah, some of those Bucks defenders. But I, yeah, the NBA gets us excited for some of these beefs, and it's all generated through social media. So I think they capitalize. I don't think Silver would step in. Jeanette, I think he's kind of sitting behind the scenes as the dorky white guy, going, "Oh yeah, guys, go do your thing. This is gonna be great." No, nah, but I think he's just, you know, in, 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 that, intimidated yeah. by the number one draft pick for oh, the Magic. Oh, you think DeJounte Murray's intimidated, so he's trying to, like, he has that imposter syndrome almost. I'm an all-star. This guy's the number one pick. Let me go at you him. You coming after deal. me? Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait to get all four wins against the Hawks. <laughs> you know what, though? This is good. <laughs> this is good for the Magic and the Hawks, honestly, because it is. it's going to get the eye. Like, these games might even get – Bumped in the national TV spotlight. Like, should I get a bunch of one of them? Jersey? You should. For sure. You should. That's your number one Full pick. support? 
I, mean, I do have a Shaq jersey. And you have a Dwight Howard jersey. Stop! <laughs> Hanging on your bedroom wall. I have four Dwight Howard jerseys. Oh, my. Have you not burned them yet? Have you not Gina, gotten rid of them? This is the first time you're telling anybody this. I know. I know. And Devin from Boca, who Ooh. comes at me every time he calls, mm-hmm. I never told him specifically. I have four Dwight Howard jerseys. Are they diff- different color waves? Yes. One of them was gifted to me. Mm. Her uncle passed, and she was like, I know you're a huge Orlando Magic fan. Oh, wow. So here's the jersey. So I can't get rid of that one. I know you cried one. when he won the dunk contest. You were his biggest fan. Wow, this is I, Ken is going to love to hear this. I was at that dunk contest. Were you really? Yeah. Was it H Town? Uh, it was in New Orleans. Was oh, okay. it as fantastic as it was? It was great. It was. It was to great. watch. It was really fun. The problem is when you're at dunk contests like that and you're so far up because I was, <laughs> I was like a teenage kid. It's hard to see how hard they fall. Yeah, I didn't even realize <laughs> Gerald Green blew out the cupcake when he dunked it. I was like, what happened down there again? I, but no, that was an incredible dunk contest. That was a fun Check one. Check in Twitter to see the, the instant replay up close and personal. Did you bring binoculars? I, I did. The Smoothie King Center, at least as that's what it was named at the time, did not have the uh, a, a huge jumbotron. Yeah. It wasn't that oh, that's big. weak. It was, it was one up there, but it's not like Jerry World style. So I'm peeking down like, okay, he dunked the ball. But yeah, so Gerald Green blew <laughs> Did the he cupcake. miss? But at the very least, I, I'm a very pro- these guys playing in these leagues and doing these oh, things, yeah, especially fun. for that's the good. social media aspect. DeJounte Murray said a lot of these kids in, you know, in these inner cities aren't even able to purchase tickets to some of these big NBA games. Yeah. So to get out here and see us in action, kind of go head-to-head, see a guy like Trey Youngs, you know, somebody kids look up to and someone who's changed the game in the same likes that Steph Curry has. Oh, I love it. I'm paying, I'm paying attention to pump all the of these. You know, no. I'm Stone, <laughs> pump the brakes. He did not change the game in the likes that Steph Curry did. Who? Why do you do these hyperboles? You Stone will throw a hyperbole under his breath and think that we're not going to catch it and just keep going. Sometimes you got to think before you speak, Stone. Stone I will said, say it again. Theo knows I'm in belief of this. I said that he is fitting the mold. He's stepping into the shoes and plays the same game. And, and Steph Curry was the one who motivated and inspired him to play the game the way he does. And he's just kind of passing it along as he is as he is a younger player. He sounds crazy. I, I, yeah, you're wild, man. Trey Young, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, you're my guy. You're my guy, but Trey Young... Change the game in the same way that Steph Curry did is just an incredible. And you know what? You want to talk about a hot take? Earlier we were doing um, what was it? Low, low, low stakes, low stakes, hot, hot, take. hot takes. That was like a high stakes, flaming hot take that needs to get extinguished. So let's not. Yeah, what is the opposite of a low stakes hot take? A high stakes cold take. Bad take. Low high stakes bad take. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could call it that, but that's fine. I, I, I showed you and Ken that his numbers are similar, and he plays the game the same way defensively, even on that note. Way. But what he does, he tries to mirror his style off of a guy like Steph Curry. I feel you. I understand that he's short and he shoots deep threes. Curry so. has much better hair, though. Much better hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no doubt. Better movement off the ball, better team defense. I feel like Curry would be a better villain anyways than Trey Young. Yeah. Well, I don't know. They're, they're, they're up there. They're fighting each other for that, for that mantle. Uh, we're coming up on the close here. This has been fun. Three straight days taking over for Ken Levicka. You'll have him back tomorrow. It'll be back tomorrow. Ken Levicka, Jeanette Javier, and Stone Labanowitz. No Theo that day. Have a good one.